0: Turn in God's word tonight to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We read this evening verses 13 through 16, those verses, and then I'll call your attention again to the verses that we read this morning. From Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to turn to them, you can, but uh, I will be reading those verses again as well. So, first of all, from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. The disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them let the children come to me do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of god truly i say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of god like a child shall not enter it and he took them in his arms and blessed them laying his hands on them and then from ephesians chapter 6 Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. As far the reading of God's Word. Let's again bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again we thank you for allowing us to assemble on this evening, for calling us together. We thank you for the opportunity to worship and praise your name as we hear your sermon. Have our open hearts that we may realize that it's all about you and not about so much us. We ask, this, we pray for your blessing, and we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen and Amen look at three things tonight, although I got a feeling I'm not going to make it through all three. I'm I'm just warning you ahead of time. So if I just finish and say amen, and you go, we didn't finish the outline, that may be happening tonight. So I don't do that very often, so I hope you'll be gracious in understanding that. But this thing just keeps getting worse and worse uh, as the night is up here. So the three points would be, first of all, the freedom that we see in this passage. Secondly, the rebuke that is given. And thirdly, the teaching that Jesus gives. First of all, the freedom. And I'm thinking, first of all, of the freedom of these parents. Notice how the passage begins. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. The parents of the children, and if we read this in in the Luke account, it's pretty obvious that these children were very young. In fact, it would be uh, safe to say that based upon Luke's account, many of these are babies. Not just infants, but babies. So think about those in our congregation who are at that stage. They're babies yet. They're children infants. These parents felt the freedom to come to Jesus. Jesus' reputation at this time was pretty widespread. He was a known entity. He's known not only in Galilee where we have been seeing him minister most in the Gospel of Mark but he's known Entire in Tyre and Sidon. He's now known in the district on the other side of the Jordan. His reputation has so far spread that even the Pharisees and Sadducees and rulers of the people from Jerusalem have taken note. He's not just some guy that people feel comfortable with approaching. He's a man who has quite a reputation, not only in terms of his teaching, but in terms of his authority. And undoubtedly, there has been talk of the five and 4,000 people he fed, but that are there. But just think of the situation. You have a little child. You have a baby. And Jesus, is somewhere in the area. And you feel the freedom to go to Jesus and to ask Jesus to bless your child. I can think of a lot of popular people. A lot of popular people that that I would know would have not the time of day for any of my three young grandchildren that I might want to bring to them. I got a pretty good idea that there are some religious leaders in this world. That if I brought my children, they, they wouldn't have any time of day. I, I would feel, I would not feel freedom. I, I would not feel like it's okay to approach. I would feel like I'm bothering. I would feel that perhaps I'm, they, they, they've just given a tone an attitude A demeanor that says, I don't have time for the small things in life. I only deal with book deals, and I only deal with interviews on CNN. I don't have the time of day for a a small little congregation of 30 people. Unless you can pack a 10,000-seat auditorium three times, it's not worth my time of coming. Unless you can pack a stadium with several thousand people, I'm not coming. Accept an invitation to come to some small church in the middle of Marne. I don't have the time to do that. But these parents felt the freedom to come to Jesus. Now, there's two reasons for that. Why did these parents feel the freedom? to bring their children to Jesus and the first is this because of Hebrew practice the Old Testament scriptures had elevated the role of children within a family and within a culture there are whole Psalms written about children and the beauty of God blessing a home with children. Written, you see, at a time in which some of the cultures around Israel are sacrificing their children on altars, in the fire, in flames, in which many of these cultures had a careless attitude about children. But not the Hebrew culture. God in his word had continually in the scriptures uplifted the role of children. And I might add to it, although we don't necessarily see it, he did the same thing for women. The role of women in a Hebrew culture far surpassed the rights that were given to women in all the other cultures around them. And it was not an uncommon practice for parents to bring their children to a rabbi. To have the rabbi lay his hands upon them and bless them. See, they saw that out of the pages of scripture. They saw that with a Jacob as Joseph brings his sons in before his elderly father, and his father puts his hands upon them and blesses those children. We see it often throughout Scripture of someone who is perhaps a prophet, someone who is an elderly father, placing hands upon a child and blessing them. This was part of Hebrew culture. So yes, these parents come based upon, in part, the culture of the day. But the person that you approach still needs to be approachable. How do they know that Jesus isn't going to turn his back upon them? Why do they have this freedom? Well, think about where we've been in the last several chapters of Mark. Think of how often Jesus has been talking about children and the faith of children and that unless we become like little children, unless we serve like children, these words have continually flowed from Jesus' mouth. He has talked about children in the way that the Old Testament Scriptures had talked about children. To these parents... It's like, hey, this guy cares about my children. I know it's our culture, but he's going, this is not just a cultural thing. He is genuinely interested in our children. Listen to his words, listen to what he has been teaching, listen to what he's been telling his disciples. Children are important to Jesus. Of course I feel the freedom that I might bring my child to Jesus. I've heard what he's said. But also think about some of the actions of Jesus that we've covered so far in Mark. How many times has it not been that a father has brought a child to Jesus? And how has Jesus handled that? Uh, Get away from me, it's only a kid. When you got an adult, then then bring them. But I don't deal with children now. Jesus shows the same care, concern, and compassion as he does to all. These children are no different than the adults that he deals with. He loves them, and his compassion goes out to the children as much as it has gone out to the adults. Little girl, arise. He has brought a child back from death. He has driven out demons from children. If I'm a Hebrew parent holding a baby in my arms, Do I feel the freedom to approach Jesus? I certainly do. I have that freedom. Not only because it's a cultural thing, but I've heard Jesus. And I've seen Jesus in action. And I see how he deals with children. I'm bringing my child to Jesus today in the hopes that, no, not in the hopes, in the knowledge of knowing he's going to bless my little baby. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. The freedom of the parents. But in some respects, that freedom We have to tie back in now to this passage out of Ephesians. Because here, too, is a freedom that is given. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is a freedom. Yes, it says fathers, but in most commentaries that you read, The father here is mentioned because the father bears the responsibility. Just as in the garden, it is Adam who bears the responsibility of eating the fruit. You never read in scripture after the account of the fall in the sense that Eve is to blame for sin in the world. It's Adam. The responsibility fell on him. Here too. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, the responsibility, the weight falls upon the father. Does it include the mother? Is she involved in this? Is it a dad only practice? No. But it is certainly the father's responsibility to make sure that the job gets done. And it is the father who has to give an account to our father in heaven. As to what they have done with the responsibility that he has exemplified in this world. But notice the freedom that Paul is giving. Paul is saying, fathers, you have the freedom to bring your children up to know the Lord. This is not something we wait until they're 21 with. This is not something we wait until they're in high school with. This is not something we wait till the day they, before they get married and say, son, let's go out for breakfast and let's talk about some spiritual matters before tomorrow when you get married. Fathers have the freedom, a God-given freedom, to raise their children to know the Lord. But one of the things about this passage that you and I need to understand is that by the time Paul writes Ephesians chapter 6, there has been a significant cultural shift. Out of that Hebrew mentality that honored children, that respected children, that saw the value, <coughs> pardon me, that saw the value of children. We have entered into a new society. We are writing to the church at Ephesus. We're in a new world. We're in a Roman world. We're in a Roman culture. And the way in which children are regarded has dramatically changed. James Montgomery Boyce, in commenting on this passage and quoting others, says the following. A Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them work in his own fields, even in chains. He could take the law into his own hands. For law was in his own hands. He could punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty on his child. Up until 65 AD, it was legal in the Roman Empire for a father to order the execution of his child for any reason. Any reason. Quite a difference from the Hebrew scriptural mentality. Some of you are thinking it sounds a lot like perhaps today. Further, the power of the Roman father extended over the child's whole life. So long as the father lived, a Roman son never came to age. Now, think about that in the context of why Paul wrote in verse 1 Children, obey your parents. Children. See the emphasis that we talked about this morning? In the Roman culture, you never stopped being a child until the father died. But it gets worse. There was also the matter of child repudiation, leading to exposure of the newborn. When a baby was born, it was placed before its father. If the father stooped and lifted the child, the child was accepted and was raised as his. If he turned away, the child was rejected and literally discarded. I don't like the looks of that one. I don't like the nose structure on that one. I don't like the hair on that one. I don't like the sex of that one. That existed in the Roman Empire till 365 A.D. They were still practicing it. Such rejected children were either left to die, or they were picked up by those who trafficked in infants. If you think we're dealing with a new thing in this world, we are not. There is nothing new under the sun, brothers and sisters, in Christ. These people raised children to be slaves or to stock the brothels. One Roman father wrote to his wife from Alexandria. We have this. This this is an historical written document. Here it is. If, good luck to you, you have a child, if it is a boy, let it live. If it is a girl, throw it out. And it's amidst that backdrop, you see, That God gives this freedom. Fathers. Fathers. In the midst of the culture of the day. In the midst of this Roman view of children. Fathers. Train up your children in the Lord. See, don't dispose of them. Don't throw them away. Train them up. To know the Lord. Break with the cultural bondage of the day. I don't think more necessary words are needed in our society and culture today for Christian parents. Fathers, you have the freedom, God gives you the right, God gives you the privilege raising and training your child to know the Lord, not the way of the world, not the mentality of the world. You are not to think about your child as the world thinks about their child. The first priority is not career. The first priority is not awards. The first priority is not success. The first priority of a father in the glorious freedom that God gives you from the culture around you is to train your children in the Lord. Secondly, in regards to that, it is the idea of bringing them up. Look at the words that are used here in verse 4. Bring them up in the discipline An instruction of the Lord. You as a father, if you are given the responsibility of training your children to know the Lord, what does that mean you have to do? It means you have to know Him too. And the instruction refers to God's Word. How well do you know it? Are you flying by the seat of your pants oftentimes when you talk to your children about spiritual matters because you don't study this book? You don't read this book? You don't even know where to reference your children to find the Ten Commandments. When your 17-year-old son comes home drunk and you want to have a discussion with him about the problem of drinking and the view of God in regard to drinking, what do you do? Just spout off that the Bible says? Or do you show him? Do you know what God's Word says about dating someone who is not of the Lord? Oh, you might be able, the Bible says. Where? Where does it say it? Where does it teach it? Where are you showing him? You see, in the Old Testament, those Hebrew people had to bind them upon their foreheads. They had to wear that word. That word had to be on the doorpost of their home. So no matter when they came in and when they went out, there was God's word always before them. Not in generalities. Not in nice euphemisms. But in the very words of God. You say, well, Pastor Bob, I, I, I don't, I'll, okay, I admit it. I don't know the Word of God. Well, then study. Study it. We have a great men's group that meets 6 o'clock in the morning. There aren't too many of you that are at work. Some of you are. But not too many of you are. We have a group that meets Wednesday night. We have a group that meets Sunday mornings. Are you in the Word, studying the Word, learning the Word? And whether it isn't here at Little Farms, maybe it's with another group. Study God's Word. Why? So that you have the freedom to raise your children in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord and in the instructions that the Lord has given to us. And if you say, I am too busy, I'm going to tell you something. You're too busy with the wrong thing. You are too busy building an empire, but not the faith of your children. Thirdly, note that there is a warning here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Colossians 3.21 says, Do not embitter your children. There's two aspects of this. One, oftentimes the responsibility of discipline within a home should and does fall upon a father. But I'll be the first to admit as a dad that a lot of times that discipline could be cruel, it could be harsh, it could be unkind, and it was unreasonable. It didn't make sense. Don't embitter your children. Think of the Roman situation. Here's a Roman dad who can do what he wants with his children. I've heard that. From Christian parents. Don't tell me that I cannot discipline my children as I want. No, I'm not telling you. God is telling you. God is telling you you cannot discipline your children any way you want. The belt is not an act of discipline in the Bible. You heard that. The belt is not. God never gives us the right to abuse our children. Never. Do You see, think of that Roman family where the father had this absolute control, this absolute right to do whatever he wanted to that kid. What do you suppose is going on in the heart of that child? Do you think that child is going, oh, it's so nice my dad has me out here in the field in chains. Or is his heart becoming bitter? His heart becoming angry? Is he provoking his child by the discipline that he's bringing? Do not, do not provoke your children to anger. doesn't mean don't discipline, but it does mean don't discipline them to the extent that it becomes cruel and harsh and unkind. But it also means this: when your child has a spark of interest in the things of God. Don't snuff it out. When your child has a desire to learn and to grow, and you say, no, I don't want to give up my Wednesday nights. I don't want to be carting you back and forth to stars or to cadets. No, I got other more important things to do. You are provoking them to anger. You are embittering the soul of your child. It doesn't really apply to a Sunday night crowd, but it does apply to life when your child has a desire to worship and you say, oh, not today, dear. I'm going golfing. I'm going out on the boat. I'm going fishing. You are embittering the soul of that child. Do not embitter your children, because God gives you the freedom to bring them up, to know Him. Oh, that's a great responsibility. It is a blessed responsibility. But I want you to think of the freedom of that. God wants you to bring your children to Him. That's what Ephesians 6, 4 is saying. I give you the freedom. Bring them to me. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them. And God's people say, Amen. Father, thank you for your loving fatherhood over us for your constant care and love and mercy. And we pray, Father, that we as fathers, that we as parents might exemplify this in our homes. Father, as the passage goes on and as we'll deal with next Lord's Day, the disciples said, stay away. Don't bother him. But Lord, you wanted him to come You desire for parents to bring their children to know you. Lord, may we rejoice in the godly fathers that you have given to us in our lives here at Little Farms. In Christ's name, God's people say,